0: you're listening to podcast audio from radiant church located in bay city michigan for more information on radiant church you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at radiant bay city
1: all right well good morning radiant church hey if you are new with us this morning. My name is Marco. I'm the lead pastor here, and welcome. Thank you for making Rating It a part of your weekend, and yes, happy anniversary. We turn forward this weekend, and we are just uh, so excited for all that God has done. His faithfulness to this house has been incredible. I just want to share just a couple quick pictures with you. The first one right here is one of our worship shots from that very first Sunday at Bangor Central Elementary. Anybody remember those days, right? (laughs) It seemed like it was so far away, but we had about 200 people join us for service that morning, one service. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I didn't know if anyone was going to show up. And so um, we were nervous, we were excited, and there was a team of us uh, the night before uh, who had been at the school from 8 in the morning to about 6 at night, getting everything ready just to make it perfect for that Sunday morning, and God has been faithful. And we got one more just quick shot of us worshiping or me teaching in that uh, gymnasium. And you know, we we set up and tear down there every single weekend, and God was faithful to just change your lives in a gymnasium. Amen, church? And of course, uh, he opened a way for us to be here as well. And again, we're just so grateful for his faithfulness and what he's done. And we've just seen miracle after miracle. And let me just say this, uh, thank you to all of you guys because you are Radiant Church. And yes, that's right. And without without all of you, we, we have no reason to celebrate because you are the church. We are the church together, and through us, God is building something I think unique and significant right here in Bay County, and we're so excited for what the future holds at Radiant Church. Well, this morning we are in part number four of a series called Be Radiant, and Be Radiant is a series all about what what it means. We're we're answering the question, what does it mean to be radiant? Radiant. We're talking about our core values. Our core values here at Radiant Church. You know, with turning 4 years old now, I felt like it was a really good time, a important time for us to sort of reevaluate our foundation stones to to really take some time and examine who we are all about. And this morning, we're going to talk about that we are a family-oriented church, a family orientated church and what that means to have a spiritually vibrant household. Well, this morning is going to be just a little different from normal because this morning I'm not really going to teach or preach a sermon. This morning I'm actually going to interview some really good friends of mine, some dear friends of mine, um, a wonderful couple and family, and I'm going to call them to the stage and I want you to just make some noise because they are actually going to, to give us a little bit of a insight in, and a glimpse into their life and what it means to have a spiritually vibrant home. And our prayer is is that there'll, there'll be something that you can really grab on a hold of as they talk a little bit about their family life and their upbringing and what it means to have this family and what it means to be a family of God. Our prayer is that you would just sort of uh, attach yourself to that and uh, you would also uh, find that incredibly helpful, practi- practical, and relevant to your life. So, without further ado, would you help me to make some noise for Andy and Sarah Schaefer? <laughs> yeah, guys. Love you. Awesome, you guys. Well, happy anniversary to you as well. And... Uh, So, uh, you might not know this, but Andy and Sarah have been with us. Um, We we got into a little bit of a disagreement earlier, uh, whether that was week number two that we were open or week number three, and I thought it was week number six. I thought they were later to the game, but um, we're just going to say week number three, and I met Sarah at Coco Locos at one of our interest meetings when we were just advertising the church, and Andy was not there with her. Because Andy was not so interested in attending another church, but God did an awesome work in his life, and I'm not going to ruin his story. He'll get to tell a little bit of that story um, later on today. So it's so good to have you guys this morning. I'm so excited to to interview you. Um, Sarah, why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself for a few moments.
2: Good morning, Radiant. Good morning. I'm Sarah Schaefer, and many of you know me as the director of the children's ministries here at Radiant. But what you might not know is I'm also a wife and a mom of two beautiful children, Isaac and Ava, and I'm a third grade teacher for Bay City Public Schools. So thank you. (laughs) So I'm so honored to be up here on this stage in front of you to talk about what it means to be family oriented. And I am extremely passionate about leading our kids here at Radiant, but also our families. So I'm just really excited to talk about that this morning and to see how God works through our families here at Radiant.
0: Awesome. And I'm Andy Schaefer. I'm Sarah's husband. I currently lead the men's group here at Radiant Church, where we meet once a month and we just build relationships uh, with other godly men within the church. Uh, But prior to that, I was leading the Setup and Teardown team at the Bangor Elementary, and uh, that that was a lot of fun. But we no longer have to do that anymore, obviously, because <laughs> yeah. we got this place. So happy birthday, Radian. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: listen, um, thank you guys so much for just be- being willing to participate. And as we uh, talk about this, um, and as you, of course, lead your own family and lead families here at Radian Church, I want to begin by just praying over us, and then we'll just dive into some of our content. Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much as we celebrate your faithfulness uh, this morning. God, I thank you uh, that we're striving to be a family oriented church, God. We love families. We love children. Uh, Teach us, God, what that means to have a spiritually vibrant home. And God, teach us what it also means to be uh, the family of God here, the church, Lord. God, I pray that you would just um, bless Andy and Sarah as they share, God. And may the Holy Spirit open our hearts and our minds and our ears, God, to everything that you want to teach us this morning, God. We're grateful for your presence already, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, this morning we're going to talk about what it means to be a family oriented church. And uh, Sarah, I know that in the New Testament, uh, the Apostle Paul, he has this phrase, and the phrase is household of faith, and it's in Galatians uh, chapter 6, if any of you ever want to read that. Paul uses this term called the household of faith, and he refers to that, and it truly means believers in that context. But um, Sarah, I want you to really just touch upon that phrase, a household of faith, and what that means when it comes to the entirety of Scripture.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to dive into some Scripture right now. So if you want to join me in your Bible in the Old Testament book of Joshua, or U- U Version app. We're gonna be in Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15 this morning. Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom will you serve, whether the gods of your ancestors, who they served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. So, to give you some context with this scripture, earlier on in this story, Moses is leading the Israelites, God's people, out of Egypt where they had been enslaved. They've been waiting in the wilderness to enter the land that God had promised them. After the death of Moses, Joshua became their leader joshua was a faithful and obedient leader of not only the nation but also of his household so in this scene imagine joshua talking over about six hundred thousand men the leaders of the 10 tribes at the time he's telling them what's going to happen as they enter this land the land that they're about to possess is going to present them with temptations and challenges as they would be living amongst the amorites the amorites were following and worshiping other gods baal They were also practicing in immoral activities. And the Israelites were going to have to decide how they were going to live. So Joshua proclaims over these people. He says, for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now here at Radiant, Radiant, being family-oriented, we want to make that declaration over all of our families here as well. We know that God is not only concerned about us as individuals, but as households as well.
1: Awesome. Well, Sarah, as um, I know that you did some research, obviously, and uh, can you just tell us a little bit about a, a little bit about what did you learn about households and uh, what does the Bible have to say about that? Yeah.
2: Well, I found that households are clearly important to God, as they're mentioned over two thousand times in the Bible between the Old and the New Testament. The Hebrew word bayit is used to describe a household. Its translation is house but it doesn't mean the structure of the home. It's the function of the people that live within the structure. At this time, the biblical household was a group of people that was living life together. It may have included 50 to 100 people for the Israelites. So it would include their immediate family, their extended family, friends of the family, those who were working for the household. They were large, extending households. Every individual family here at Radiant looks different. Some of our households have one person, three, some close to ten. But think about this. When you think of your household, think about who are you doing life with. Are you in a small group? Do you have neighbors that you do life with, best friends, extended family? That is the household that we're talking about today, the family of the church and the family of believers. The household that we're talking about today goes beyond the structure of your four walls. We can think about it as a group of family that's doing life together.
1: Awesome. Well, obviously, we all have our own individual um, uh, individual households, or, or we all have our own individual households that influence us greatly. But uh, of course, when, when two become one, when, when people get married, they form their own household. And um, I want you, you, you both to actually just share as individuals um, what your individual household's were um, before you were married and what what that looked like Uh, just maybe a little bit of a glimpse of that and I think Sarah will start with you
2: yeah so I grew up in a single parent household it was my mom my brother and myself we grew up Protestant and we were part of a local Presbyterian community church we attended a small group and our small group quickly became our family my mom knew the importance of having a family of believers to help her disciple my brother and I We didn't have a strong godly influence of a man in our home, but my mom made sure that we had the influence of many men that were from our church in our lives. We had opened doors, and the people that we did life together with had a really positive influence on our household of faith.
0: My household looked uh, quite a bit different than what Sarah's did. I grew up in a large family. I was one of ten kids. Usually, when I, I say that, I hear nothing but gas, like, <laughs> like whoa. But my dad, he, he was the provider of our family, and my mom, she was the primary caretaker for all of us kids. Um, I'm one of the youngest in my family, and so many of my older siblings, they took on some of the parental responsibilities over me and my two younger sisters. My parents, they were very busy raising kids and making kids. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in a Catholic household. I attended Mass with my family every Saturday. Uh, I also attended a uh, Catholic elementary school in the small town that I grew up in. Um, but as a whole, church was more of just like a weekly routine for us, it w- wasn't really a part of our everyday life. Uh, I didn't really see church like as a family, as I do now.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's really good. Thank you for sharing um, some of your diver- diverse background as well, you guys. Um, so let, let's just review for just a quick moment here. So, Sarah talked to us about the word household, how that shows up in the Bible. And what we know is that a household was not just the nuclear family, okay? Um, the household was the extended family, those who you really did life with in a According to the research Sarah did, that could be about 50 to 100 people. And we learn this from, of course, uh, what the Scripture tells us. And we also see this a little bit in Joshua chapter 24. And so what we're going to do with the remainder of our time here is we're going to ask just three questions. And we hope that these are practical and relevant to your families and to your households. And Sarah's going to begin
2: so question number one is, who is in your tribe? So now that we know that a household is a group of people that's doing life together, let's think about what means for us and our families. Let's look back at the end of verse 15. Joshua's presenting this challenge to the Israelites. He's letting them know, you're about to enter into a territory where the people are there. They already live there, the Amorites. They're worshiping idols. They're participating in immoral activities. They had to make the decision whether or not their household was going to follow the ways of the Amorites or they were going to continue to worship God. We're faced with that a lot in our culture and in our lives, like the Israelites were. We need to think about the influence of those that we're doing life with. Are the people that you're doing life with bringing spiritual vibrancy into your household? Proverbs 13.20 says, "'Walk with the wise and become wise.'" for a companion of fools suffers harm. We know the company we keep matters, right? We know that who we hang out with influences our actions and our beliefs. We see that with our kids. They are so heavily influenced by the people that they're around. If you have teenagers, you see that too. Who's in your tribe? They're either leading you towards Jesus or they're leading you away. There's really no neutral ground with that. So let's talk about our family of believers. Over the summer, I read this great book by Don Everts. He's a pastor that did some research with the Barna Group on what makes a spiritually vibrant household. He says this when talking about a family of believers. We need others as much as they need us. Paul was unambiguous in his language. There are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you that comes from 1 Corinthians 12, 20 and 21. This shows how much our households here need the influence of our church family. So no matter what your household looks like and your nuclear family, every single person in our church body has a vital role when it comes to making our households households with spiritual vibrancy. Now the flip side of this, we can't be insular. We're not called to be the country club church. We're called to be the salt and the light of the world. So how can we show others who Jesus is? The Greek word for hospitality is phylloxenia, which means love of a stranger. We have to have open doors to love those that are different from us. In fact, Jesus was a model of this. He ate and drank with the sinners and the tax collectors, He hung out with them so much that he was often accused of being a drunk and a glutton. We have to look at that as a model when we are showing others his love. As disciples of Jesus, it's important that we have open doors to love others unlike us, but it's also important that our community that we spend day-to-day life with has a positive influence on our household of faith.
0: That's good. Yeah, so I'm going to take us through our second big question, which is how can we have a spiritually vibrant home in the midst of worldly idol-try? idol tree? Idol tree. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> so in the text that we're studying uh, this morning, Joshua told them, the Israelites, to throw away the gods of their ancestors. The Israelites' ancestors had been enslaved in Egypt. God was leading Joshua to tell them, They aren't enslaved by the same chains of their ancestors, but are free to follow him and him alone. God also knew that they would be tempted by the gods of the Amorites in the land that they were coming into. So for the Amorites, their idols were actual statues and relics. That's not what we're talking about today when we're talking about today's idols. Uh... An idol today, though, is is something that satisfies us more than God. Mm. They are the things that we treasure and take comfort in before going to God. What are some of the idols in our age today? Well, they're everywhere in our lives. You're probably already thinking of them in your mind. But an idol is something that we use as a filler that gives us a false sense of fulfillment. Mm. So let's go through some of these I I just jotted down a couple, but there's many in our society today. Our phones, our TVs, our devices, they can all give us a false sense of relaxation. You know, if you think of, you know, Netflix and chill, you're going to just lounge around on the couch or scroll on your phone. But in reality, you know, you're, you're not getting stuff done that needs to get done. It's just adding to your stress and anxiety in your life. Social media can give us the false sense of importance and, and status among our friends. Careers and success, they can give us a false sense of identity and pull us away from the people that we love. We put so much focus on you know, a- achieving some of these work-related goals or something like that where we're not spending time with our, our family and the ones that we love. Our busy schedules. They can lead us to believe we're spending our time wisely, but in in reality, it's just foolishness. Sarah and I, of course, are not immune from letting idols into our own lives. There have been instances where even our own kids have called us out for scrolling on our phones in front (laughs) of them, and they're like, we want to play. Get off your phone, you know, and we're we're called out for it, and I'm grateful for that, that they see that. But we should be spending our time more purposeful. Prior to attending Radiant Church, Sundays for me were football Sundays, all right? (laughs) So uh, any Lions fans in (laughs) here? Yeah. All right. I'm still a Lions fan, but my priority (laughs) on Sunday was watching the Lions lose every week. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, they they are faithful to lose. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it would ruin my entire week. I mean, that's how bad it was. I I let it affect every part of my life. It was, seriously, this is embarrassing even. But, and and then, like, Friday, I'd get excited about the next game, you know? It's like, all right, I forgot about that loss. You know, they're gonna win the next one. But (laughs) later on, once I started attending radio, I even recall having, like, the thought Like, I don't know if I can serve in the church because that's going to cut into my football watching time. Like, that's ridiculous, right? (laughs) But that was a very revealing moment for me, and it just showed how I was putting something before God that was not purposeful. We need to ask ourselves, how are idols affecting our households? What are the idols that we need to throw away? As a man, my f- main focus has always been providing for our family. You know, earning a paycheck, feeding our kids, making sure they're protected and safe. But I'm called to be much more than that. It's good. I'm called to be the spiritual leader of our household. Yeah, it's good. Early on in our marriage, I was failing at being the spiritual leader of our house. I can admit that. I was building a family around perishable things and not leading them to the one who endures forever. Yeah, that's good. Then one day, I came to the realization of what household I was building. Mm. I was having lunch with a good friend, Troy, here. And he was asking me, where are you guys attending church? What are you guys doing? Mm. And I told him, I go, you know, Honestly, we're not doing anything. We're yeah. not going anywhere. Wow. And he looked at me from the other side of the table, and he goes, you know, your kids are watching you.
1: Yeah, that's good.
0: Wow. That, Troy would say, boom, <laughs> right there. <laughs> you know Troy. <laughs> but he did not realize the effect that that had on me.
1: Wow, so good.
0: I went home, and I, I started to really assess and, and see the things that my kids were seeing me do, mm. and it wasn't pretty. I, I started to do a self-assessment, and I realized yes. I was leading my family to an empty life, and I was the one holding them back. Wow. So what are the things you're treasuring up in your heart? Yeah. What are the things you're holding on to but need to throw out? Mm. As Joshua told the Israelites, we need to choose for ourselves whom you will serve. I, I read this morning in my, my quiet time that I had, uh, in John chapter six, verse 65, Jesus said, uh, you, you can't come to me unless the father enables you. Yeah. Well, that day that I talked to Troy, uh, he, he enabled me right then and there. And so when God's, calling you when he's enabling you to lead you to jesus come on don't miss on the opportunity come on don't let it pass come on you gotta take it so after all psalm 37 4 tells us delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart wow so good so good
1: so finally that leads us to our last
2: question Getting a little choked up, there. <laughs> <I'm> emotional. <laughs> um, when we first practiced this, I was losing it, so I got it together. <laughs> but what spiritual disciplines can we have in our households to kindle spiritual vibrancy? It's not difficult. Actually, do something. Doing something is better than nothing. So Proverbs twenty-two six says, "Start children off on the way they should go." And even when they are old, they will not turn from it. Today, an alarming number of kids are growing up in churches and Christian homes and leaving the church and their commitment to Jesus altogether. Some of us have seen that ourselves. Maybe you're here and you're going through that right now, and there's no judgment for that at all. We're here to pray with you and walk you through that. But that is a sobering reality, and it should shake us up. Yeah. So Isaac and Ava, our children, are eight and five right now. We're the loudest voice in their life in this season. Yeah. We have so much influence over so them. Good. So we need to spend as much time together as a family as we can. We love sports. We love the Lions. Go Lions. <laughs> and we love extracurriculars. But we made the decision over our household that every night cannot be busy. We yeah. cannot be separated Come from each home. other. That's
1: another idol right there, busyness, yeah.
2: So if, you, if that's your household, Super. reassess your schedule, and you need to prioritor- prioritize time to spend together as a family. So important. There's lots of little ways that you can build spiritual vibrancy in your house. And this includes families with kids and families that don't have kids as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. The first thing is pray together. So that might not be comfortable for you. Some of you might even be thinking, Sarah, I don't even know how to pray out loud. But that's okay, because there's some ways that you can become confident and comfortable with that, and it takes some time. So can you share how you became confident with praying over our children?
0: Yeah, so every night uh, when we're putting the kids to bed, I will pray the Lord's Prayer over them. And I just thought that was a, a great way to ease them into having a prayer life Mm -hmm. i mean jesus taught his disciples the lord's prayer and so i figured that'd be a good starting point for my own children um and then after i pray the lord's prayer i'll just pray a quick blessing over them Mm. but uh Mm. it's something that we do consistently where Mm. now our kids are so good like i'm not going to bed until dad prays for me (laughs) Mm. so
1: good
2: wow um, another thing that we do just to build that confidence in praying out loud is we have prayer cards in our quiet time. So we just got index note cards, and we wrote the name of every member of our household on the top of those cards. We have a scripture for each person and just a list of things to pray over. So every morning when we're doing our quiet time and we're praying, we're praying over those cards, and then that gives us those um, that confidence to pray those same prayers when we're praying together, the two of us, because it can be awkward. But just build that confidence and, um, and start. Start somewhere. The second thing is eat together. Dinners can be chaotic when you have little ones. <laughs> but no matter how crazy it is, so much spiritual vibrancy can come from a loud table. So at our house, we do something called Hilo Buffalo, and it's something that I've shared with some of you before. But every night at dinner, everyone shares, and they share a high, the best part of their day, Mm -hmm. the low, a not-so-great part of their day, and a buffalo. And it can be as random and silly and weird as everybody wants it to. And with a five-year-old and an eight-year-old, it gets weird. (laughs) But but it's such a fun way to talk together at the table, and it often leads to conversations.
1: Mm, So good, yeah.
2: The next thing is read together.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, so... uh Every night before I pray with the kids, we allow them to choose a book, each of them, and uh, like a story, a quick story, or we'll read a chapter or just a few pages of a book that they choose. Um, Once we finish with that, we'll read a few pages of their children's uh, child book Bible. Isaac has a really cool graphic novel Bible that's awesome, or sometimes we'll read Uh, Right now we're going through A Case for Christ Kids, which is an awesome, you know, book to go through and answer some of these uh, difficult questions that kids have. But um, that's just something, you know, we want to prioritize into our kids' life is that they get, you know, some gospel truth before bed.
2: I'm going to put on my kids director hat for a minute and I'm going to tell you about a resource that we have if you do have children that are in our kids classes so if you go to radiantbc.com we actually have a Bible plan and the version app that goes along with the lessons that they're learning in their classrooms so there's a little scripture and a devotional and a cute video and that can lead to really great conversations and the plan itself lasts all week so what a great way to connect what our kids are doing in their class to what you're doing at home um, the last thing that I just want to bring up is don't be afraid of your kids' questions. So they can be really, really tough sometimes. But no matter no matter what the question is, just show them that you're learning alongside them. We call Ava Tv5. She asks the tough questions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> TV. So <laughs> those of you
2: that know her know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> but it's just it's so important that we are um, just showing them that their reality aligns with their Christianity and that the world that they live in aligns with what they believe in mm. and the last thing is play together
0: yeah so I want to put a disclaimer on like this whole thing too because uh, our kids are not perfect okay Sarah and I are are not perfect parents right, either yeah. But we're just kind of figuring this out as as we we go too, you know. But we like to play, so we not every day is filled with you know uh, <laughs> cotton you know, candy. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But we like to do a lot of things as a family. So we we'll play board games together. We'll go for walks in our neighborhood. We'll go visit neighbors that are close to us. Um, we like to have dance parties in our living room. Ava, she's loves doing that and so uh yeah i mean god enjoys those things that we do and you just got to make time for him
2: yeah just remember that god delights in the way that we worship him with our mundane everyday activities Mm.
0: so
1: good yeah
2: so in conclusion deuteronomy 6 6 through 7 says these words that i command you today shall be on your heart Mm. you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. So, this verse just reminds us that spiritual conversations in our homes will happen naturally when we make God the center of our household.
1: Wow, so good, so good. Good stuff, right, guys? Um, I love these questions that they presented uh, to us uh, today. Let me just uh, review those for all of, all of you. Who's in your tribe? So who's closest to you? Who's influencing you? And not just the nuclear home, but those who you do life with. And that is one of the reasons why the church family is extremely, extremely vital in that situation. And What about this? How can we have a spiritually vibrant home in the midst of so much world idolatry? And then finally, um, what spiritual disciplines will kindle a spiritually vibrant home. And uh, I love what you guys talked about. We don't have to be Bible scholars. Um, We don't have to uh, be experts at praying out loud. But I think the idea is you you start somewhere. Start, do something. Sarah said, you said doing something is better than doing nothing. And so I think that's so uh, powerful. And I think what I heard from this conversation is that whatever you do as parents, uh, whether you have kids that are 28 years old or 35 years old, whatever it is, Be intentional. Obviously, it's going to look different than um, your guys' household. And that's absolutely, totally fine. But be intentional. And um, I just want to say one last thing as we get ready to close here. Sarah, um, you mentioned that households, again, are not only the nuclear family, but those that we do life with. And that would include our church family, okay? This would include our church family. And I was just reviewing... And James, if you want to come back, come up and play for a few moments, if you're around, if you hear my voice. James, if you hear the voice of the Lord. (laughs) He's like, yeah, right. (laughs) Listen, um, I think this is where the, and I'm just going to stand up because I got to get preacher on you here for a second. Listen, I think this is where the the power of the local church comes into play. And um, if you look at the Gospels, Um, In Luke chapter 8, there is this section of Scripture
2: where they ask
1: Jesus, Jesus, there are your mothers and your brothers, or your mother and your brothers. And they're referring to the nuclear family in that context. But Jesus does not sort of go along with it. He says, those who do the will of God are my mother and my brothers. He's actually prioritizing the household of faith, believers. And then if you look at John's gospel at the end of Jesus's life there, hanging on the cross, what does he do? He looks at his mother. He says, mother, behold your son. And who is he referring to? He's referring to John, the apostle John. John was not his biological brother. But it was one who was a believer, who loved Jesus. And then he says to John, John, behold your mother. I think it's fascinating that Jesus does not entrust his own mother to his biological family. But to who? Believers. And this shows us, I think this shows us that we should actually, what, prioritize the family of God. Yes. No, no, no not to the neglect of our biological family. I'm not saying that. But I've heard so many Christians say, "You know, I just need to I just I just need to spend time with my own family and then I I'll I'll, I'll I'll catch up to church eventually." Or, you know, I just like hanging out with my own brothers and sisters, but not really the family of God. And I understand that, but you know what? That's not what we see Jesus doing. Jesus says, "No, no, no those who do the will of God. Those are my brothers. That is who my mother or perhaps in some sense my father and grandfather are, that we should prioritize the family, the household of faith. Here's let me just say this in closing. When you hurt, we hurt. All of us hurt. And when you're missing, it makes a difference. Right? It makes it. And we notice. We notice that you're not here. And we need the family together. So listen, this gathering is not just a cute little thing that we do. Sarah said this is not just a country club. This is an opportunity for you to invest in family, right? It's not just about you. It's about who can you encourage when you join the gathering of believers, right? Who can encourage you, but who can you encourage as well? Hey, can we just give it up for this couple this morning?